In this edition of Shi'ar Jashub, we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority study taught by Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. We are currently in 1 Samuel chapter 10, in the section where Samuel has the tribes present themselves before the Lord. They draw near and the tribe of Benjamin is chosen and ultimately Saul is chosen to be Israel's first king. When we left off, Pastor Greg was discussing the selection process. But they had another mechanism at this point for very difficult situations where a value judgment was really needed. It wasn't that one will do just as well as another, and let's leave it up to God interacting with the lots. It was really a serious judgment that needed to be made. And the end result could be very bad if the wrong choice came out. It was not a choice in equity, both possibilities being equally okay. They had something, if you remember, called the Urim and the Thummim. Urim means lights, Thummim means perfections. Remember we spoke about that? And they just mentioned a few times in the scriptures they were gems or stones carried by the high priest and they were used to determine the will of God in certain matters. They were placed in the pocket that was sewn in the high priest's breastplate that was attached to the ephod. And because they would give the judgments of God, that breastplate became known as the breastplate of judgment. In Exodus chapter 28 and verse 30, And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So when Aaron goes in before the Lord, these would be in the breastplate over his heart. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. And there was this process of bringing them in before the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 8, it says in verse 8, Then he put the breastplate on him, and he put in the Urim and the Thummim in the breastplate. And then it says in Numbers chapter 27, and here we see really the clearest insight on how they're to be used. In verse 18 of chapter 27, speaking about the anointing of Joshua, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give him some of your authority, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the Urim. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, he and all the children of Israel with him, all the congregation. So Joshua was to stand and stand before the Lord God. And Eliezer was to be the one that would inquire before the Lord 
to find out information that was needed by the judgment of the Urim. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 8, in the blessings of Moses, he says, and of Levi, he said, let your Thuman and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. So the tribe of Levi, with the priests, would have this Urim and this Thuman that they would use to help the leader, Joshua, or in this case, Samuel, find out the judgments of God. They would inquire before the Lord. Some scholars believe that these gems also were cast like lots, and they would give them simply a yes-no answer as you would throw them. But to me, it sounds more like there's something supernatural going on here as they go in before the Lord. And others, including Josephus, the Jewish historian, said that the Urim and Thummim had to do with a flashing of the precious stones in the breastplate. Uh, some believe that the letters engraved on the stones would flash. Others believe that the stones caused the priest to go into a state that he would hear the voice of God, that God could speak to him. And obviously we don't have specific detail how it works. But the word Urim means lights. And it seems to refer to a brilliancy of these figures in the breastplate that would light up to give the revelation of God. And that word Thuman is the plural for the word perfection or completeness. So it is perfections, the complete perfections, the complete truth. And this is more than just a natural casting, and you can pretty much identify that from Scripture, because if you look ahead in 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 28, in verse 5, later on in the life of Saul, when he's so far away from God, it says, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. So Saul cannot receive an answer. That's why he goes then to the, the medium, the witch, because God is not speaking to him. But notice God doesn't speak to him by prophecy, that God does not speak to him through dreams, and that God does not speak to him through the Urim. Well, if the Urim and the Thummim were simply cast as lots, you throw it down, if it turns one side is yes, and the other side is no, or whatever, you always would get an answer, right? It would be like drawing a lot or casting a die. You always could figure you were getting an answer. But here it's clear God is not answering him. So these Urim and Thummim in the breastplate of the high priest were more than just the throwing of a lot or a dice, there was a supernatural event happening as the high priest would go before God and the presence of God was there, there would be a shining forth, there would be something with those crystals, something with those gems, those precious stones that would supernaturally happen to indicate God's judgment, God's selection on this issue. And there is a selection process involved indicating yes for one or no for another. 
indicating truth or fallacy, guilt or innocence, chosen or not chosen. And it's more than just a random casting of a dice. It's a supernatural intervention by God in this system of the high priest so that when Saul goes away from God, God no longer answers supernaturally through these stones. In the selection process, you see here in chapter 10, one is brought forward, one is selected. In Joshua chapter 7, this phraseology is used about one being chosen when the Lord identifies to the Israelites, the person Achan, as the one who disobeyed, who kept the Babylonian items, who brought the defeat at Ai, and the Israelites were defeated for the first time in the Promised Land. There's a selection process until he confesses and they go into his tent and they find the items. And also in 1 Samuel chapter 14, which is the scripture that pretty much concludes for me that that's what we're speaking about here and how the king was selected. Because the very same phraseology is used in 1 Samuel chapter 14 about the Urim and the Thummim and the selection here. Uh, just a little background, Saul's son Jonathan, this is later on, begins a miraculous routing of the Philistines. And when Saul and the people with him see it, they join the battle against the Philistines. And in verse 24 of chapter 14, Saul makes a rash oath. He says, Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So the people are under this oath, under this curse, but Jonathan doesn't hear it. Now, Jonathan's been fighting from the very beginning. He's the one, Saul's son, who's winning the battle. And he's hungry. And he takes some honey from the honeycomb and he refreshes himself. And then someone tells him what his father has said. And he said, look how good this has done me. My father has done foolishly. And then you read in verse 36, Now Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light, and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, Shall I go down with the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. Now, how is he consulting God through the priests? The Urim and the Thummim. A matter of fact, it says, back in verse 18, And Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God was with the children of Israel. And some translations say the ephod of God. Well, it's the tabernacle items, the ark, the dressing for the priests, the ephod, the Urim, the Thummim. And Saul actually wants to find out what to do at that point, and then he hears the routing of the Philistines, and he withdraws his hand. He says, no, he has a need to inquire of them. Now, later on, he wants to know, do I go after them? Do I continue to pursue them? And there's no answer. There's no answer coming through the priests. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people. This is verse 38 now of chapter 14. And know and see what the sin was today. He understands that sin 
silences God. Well, later on when he consults the medium, because God does not answer him by dream or by Urim or by prophecy, he should understand it's his sin that has silenced God, that he can't hear from God any longer. Now he knows it at this point, so he wants to see who's responsible for the sin that has silenced God's direction to us. Verse 39, for as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But not a man among all the people answered him. A lot of them knew who it was, they wouldn't say a word. Then he said to all Israel, you be on one side, and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, this is the key verse, verse 41, give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. Give a perfect lot. Now if you look, if you have a good translation, it'll put into italics the words that are really not there in the Hebrew, that the translator feels are implied. And if that's the case, you'll notice that the word lot is in italics. The word lot is not in the Hebrew. The phrase is give a perfect, give a perfect. And that word perfect there is the same word we get thuman from. This is a good point at which to leave the sermon. If you would like to write to us, you can reach us at Shir Jashub Christian Tabernacle, P.O. Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. For Sunday service, we meet in Madison, Connecticut at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane at 10 a.m. Please join us next time for Shear Jashub.